Hey guys, welcome to Tone Talk with Mark Uzanski and Dave Friedman. How's everybody doing? Uh, Dave, how are you? I'm pretty good. I think a little sick, but pretty good. <laughs> oh, you managed to catch that, unfortunately? Well, you know, I was trying to catch it before I went to Detroit, and then I kind of held it off for a while, and then when I got back, it was kind of like, yeah, here you go. Oh, uh, that sucks. No. Sorry to hear that. Well, tonight we have a legendary uh, guy, a legendary amp builder, and a guy that you know for a long time, Bruce Egnator. Bruce, thanks for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Really? I'm honored to be here. Oh, we're honored to have you. Thanks. Yeah. Wow. Dave He's and I have been talking. To, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've been talking about having you on the show for a long time. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, I lived long enough to do it, so that's excellent. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and in this day and age lately? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> oh, sad. Apparently people like to just drop dead lately. Oh. Well, I'm hanging on, so. Thank God. Let's, yeah. let's, let's knock on wood for that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so it's Friday night, and uh, I see we already have 12 viewers, and it's already growing quick. It takes a couple minutes. People get the notifications and stuff. And um, I, I want to thank you, Bruce, also for uh, sharing the link and, uh, you know, getting it out to people because uh, we just broke 1,000 subscribers. So that's pretty cool. Cool. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of, yeah, I kind of put a little something on my Facebook today. Come on, subscribe. Oh, good, good. Yeah, that helped. It helped. Good, good to hear. I'm not even seeing the video up yet. Delayed. No. No. Oh, interesting. All right. Yeah, I haven't put up the uh, the link myself actually. So, um, so Dave and Bruce, you guys go way back, I imagine. Um, do you want to tell the story of how you guys met and all that stuff? You or me, Dave? Huh. You probably don't even remember. <laughs> no, I, I, I actually do. Yeah. Well, do? why don't you you start? I'll see if anything's uh, if I remember it differently. <laughs> okay. Well, the, the first the the first thing that uh, I don't even know how I knew to go to you, but the first thing that ever I had done by you, I do believe, was at your old Natex shop, and it was a uh, a Laney Pro Two. 50 that you hmm. added a uh, a gain stage to you know the pro 250s were just like a jcm 800 oh, and okay. you, you kind of added a uh, a little other tube stage in front of it kind of all right did i work on a marshall pa head at my house for you I don't know if it was at your house, but it yes, you did. I thought that was the first thing. Anyway. (laughs) No, no, no. It goes back further than that when I was even younger. Oh, see. And um and and that was the Laney Pro Tube fifty. Uh and uh which you know, in the end I I got rid of it. I didn't like it in the end, but (laughs) but you know, hey. Um but um Yes, and then you had worked on a Plexi PA head for me. Yep, and that might have been an Arnold Williams, though. Oh, yeah. God. See, uh, you're going to remember all these things I don't even remember. So. Yeah, well, there was a Plexi oh. PA head you worked on for me. There, I, ha- I think I had you copy a mod from another mod into one. Maybe I that was the PA head. I don't know. I don't and, know. uh... Well, anyway, one- we were- yeah. yeah. 
So anyway, it goes back to there, and and then uh, uh, so you were doing all these mods and stuff that sounded great. I remember, I think the first one I I remember hearing a great one you did, like some JC made hundred and Arnold Williams or something that you had that was wow. really cool sounding. Yeah, really a long time ago. Yeah, no, this was like <laughs> forty years ago. Yeah, this wasn't like. I mean, this was a really long time ago. Yeah, this would have been, you know, had to. Oh God, uh, mid, mid to early eighties. Yeah, I mean, Dave was a kid, and I, I was, was uh, just barely not a kid, and we were all starting <laughs> out. And uh, that's it. Now, Dave lived in Detroit. I don't know if everybody knows that Dave grew up in Detroit, and yeah, right. uh, eventually moved out to California and did what he does. Yeah. So this was, yeah, this was all the time, and and you were in Detroit, Dave. And yeah, this and was all the time in Detroit. So then uh, I'm going to fast forward a little bit, but uh, then uh, and then later I had started doing rigs and and stuff for people, and um, uh, in walks Randy Jacobs, and uh, who's a guitar player that was in Was Not Was from Detroit also, and he had a modified Soldano preamp. Yeah, that's right. That 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 Bruce had uh, changed the the middle channel mostly, I think, on, um, and it sounded really great, you know. So then I called Bruce because he remembered me from before. I called him and go, "We got to make this preamp." And uh, so, if I'm remembering it right, we became partners on the early preamp. Uh huh. That was and, the. Uh, IE4. IE4. Yep. In fact, I have one right here that I want to send you. Well, you know where I am. I know. <laughs> <laughs> now, IE stands for Ian Egnator, my son. That's what oh. I, if there's any other reason, any, any other suspicion what it is, it's no, it's my son's initials, and that's all it is. So. And why the yeah. four? four? Four channels. Four complete okay. channels. In fact, wait a minute. Yeah, let's see it. They are really cool, actually. Wow. Is that a red one? Yeah, I'm going to click on that. That's a silver one. The the first ones were red. We made, like, uh, I don't know, 20 of them in red. This is the stainless front and back one. Ooh. Yeah. So what what year are we talking? This is... Well, this this one is dated... This one's dated 95, but when it first started, it was, like, 92 or 3, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was a few years before that. Yeah. Before that one in your hand, so... Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was the first real thing that I had actually made with Dave, and Dave tweaked, and I designed, and it came out pretty cool. Now, that thing, um, oddly enough, we sold a whole bunch of those. Yeah. I don't know what a whole bunch is. In Nashville, it turned out the third channel was perfect for slide guitar they all went nuts over the third <laughs> channel for slide guitar so we sold a whole, whole heck of a lot in in nashville as well as some other places so that was pretty cool actually i've been thinking about reissuing that but i don't know i'll see if i get the time that's cool you could, you could, yeah that would be kind of cool I, yeah. I saw you post about that um yeah. the um it, it it was it, the idea behind the preamp originally was uh, it's a a clean fendery kind of thing a cranked up 
super reverb meets deluxe sort of deal. Then you're kind of your hot rotted uh, plexi ish Marshall plexi to hot rotted in the third channel, and then then beyond that for the fourth channel. And that was the uh, the basis of it all, and that's where I started driving Bruce crazy. Mm-hmm. But yeah. but we sold them. <laughs> yeah. And then there was a, now I think you were at uh, were it was right around your making music years too. Yes, that started that started it, and then la- later it that um, I I had left making music. Right. Yeah. Cool. All right. So, well, that was the beginnings with Dave. And then we uh, made a head after that. Yeah, that was the TOL. Yep. Head, and, and uh, that was it. And that was <laughs> it. And then then you went to work for Rocktron. Right. Okay. Oh yeah. So so why don't you take us back, Bruce, if you can? Like, how did you get into building amps, and you know, how did you get into it? Oh, I never think about that anymore. Um, the whole thing actually started. There used to be a music store in Detroit called Gus Zoppi Z O P P I Music. Uh, kind of a legendary place. Um, I used to go in there when I was a kid or a teenager and hang around. Everybody would just hang out at Zappi's Music. In fact, they were the first Marshall dealer in the United States. There was no distribution, so they actually called England and bought them direct for a while. So they were pretty, you know, pretty forward-thinking bunch of people. Mm-hmm. And uh, But it was owned by uh, this old guy, Gus Zappi, and he made accordions. That's from... They'd been open since the 50s, and he made accordions and had recitals. And then his son got involved, Gus Jr., and turned it into, like, a, the coolest rock and roll music store in the world. This was 40 years ago. But uh, I was working there. I got a job as a salesman when I was probably 20 years old because I was still in college. And there was nobody good around town to do repairs, and that's what I was going to school for was electronics. And one day Gus says to me, he goes, hey, you know something about amps and stuff? I said, well, I'm learning. He goes, you want to fix stuff for us? I was like, okay. So I uh, got a, took one of their little teaching rooms and bought a bunch of test equipment and a, an oscilloscope and all that and just went for it and wrecked some customers' things here and there. But, you know, they – we, we worked it out. Um, <laughs> but that's where I actually started um, doing things. I always fooled around. I was always the guy in the band who could fix something by default, which was cool because I got to play in the good bands because I knew how to fix the gear. So that worked out good. <laughs> so they'd keep me. I was always the worst guy in the band, but uh, that's okay. <laughs> I didn't own the PA, so that wasn't the reason for being there. But uh, so I did that work at Gutsapi Music for a number of years. And uh, then some other things. Uh, there used to be another local company called Professional Audio Systems that made um, PA power amps, yeah, solid PAS. state stuff for PAs, PAS. Yep. And uh, I got it. It was one guy, and he was hand building solid really? state power amps. Yeah, Floyd, wow. J- Floyd James. I was, and I got a job there after Zappies um, as his only employee. 
And that guy did everything by hand, the circuit boards, the etched the circuit boards by hand. And again, this was 40 years ago. Um, he bent the metal pieces. He drilled all the holes. We did everything by hand. So I learned so many skills from him. Um, I learned about metal. I learned about anodizing. I learned all that stuff. And a lot of it, uh, was with Floyd because he did it all by hand. So it's cool. He was kind of like that. You don't, it's hard to learn that kind of stuff on your own. So mm. working for him was great. And then, uh, I don't know. I don't remember what I, what other dozen jobs I've had after that, but, uh, <laughs> on and, you know, all the time I'm still making new stuff and trying to, and this was all, this must've been all before Dave. Yeah, it was before yeah. we had met. Arnold, no, no. When you had your own store, you had your own store. That was after Arnold Williams or before Arnold Williams? That was, was before. I don't know. I've had three different shops come and go, just by choice, not because they failed. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. you just move on. But yeah, I worked at some of the local music stores um, and just kept doing it. And over the years, over the the forty or forty five years, I've I've gone and got said, you know, this is hard. I'm going to go get a real job, and that would last six months because <laughs> while I've got the real job, I'm continuing to build amps at home, and they're like, dude, you're going to have to choose. You know, it's like, okay, I choose to go home. So uh, that was it. I mean, it's just, you know, I've always been here. I've always lived in Detroit. Uh, Detroit used to be a uh, – just thriving rock and roll mm-hmm. band scene. I mean, you know, we had Bob Seger and Iggy Stooge and all those people were mm-hmm. here and Ted Nugent and they were just local bands, um, which was another cool thing. I wanted to mention working at Zappies. Any day you walked in there, there would be those guys, all the local musicians, because mm-hmm. they were just local guys like Ted Nugent and all of them were just hanging around. And, um, but when the touring bands came to town, they would also go to Zappies because they needed supplies or whatever. And I remember I walked in there one day and who was there was Keith Emerson was talking to. I can't even remember who it was. One of the other guy, like the guitar player in Genesis. They're they're in the store and they're just like normal people mm-hmm. uh, hanging around just like the rest of us. So it was a pretty cool life back then. Uh, not that it's still not cool, but it was uh, every. It was all starting out, and the and Detroit was a was a major place. You know, I mean, a, Kiss yeah, and Jay Giles recorded their records here. You know, so. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Rock City. Yeah, exactly. That was mm-hmm. for real. It was a it was a super place to be for music. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty cool. Now, are we talking seventies around that time? Eighties. Same. Yeah. Well, whenever all the, I, like I said, I'm not good with years because there's yeah. a lot of them in between. But uh, yeah, I mean, I graduated high school in '71. Okay. I, I think Dave was born by then. I was uh, born by then. I was three. Okay. <laughs> so was I. <laughs> so this was this would be this would be mid '80s when all you know mid the yeah, late yeah, '80s. Yeah. When Everything was really, really booming, and there were a million local bands. Oh yeah, um, 
and I became, you know, opened a little shop and all of a sudden I became the repair guy for Detroit. So it was cool. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Now, you mentioned Rocktron before. When did you work for Rocktron? Um, in there somewhere. Uh, Had to be the 96, 7-ish starting maybe? Yeah, mid-90s probably. Um, yeah. Well, you were still making the amps, so no, so it had to be after '95. So yeah, we make we're making the TOL and stuff. Yeah, so uh, so I guess it I should have figured this out before we got on the radio. '96, '97, <laughs> probably I think. Yeah, but what had happened? I um, I had my shop, and we were building the amps and all that in uh, Ferndale, Michigan, actually, and. Um, I, Rocktron came to me because I know I knew guys that worked there and I knew the owners and all that. And they said, hey, we, we want to make some tube amps and we don't know how. So we want you to help us. So I actually drew a schematic for an amp, a power amp called the Velocity Valve because there were, that's when rock, hmm. rack stuff was happening. Uh, so I designed a tube, I drew a schematic for a tube power amp. And they took it from there. Um, I think Bill Bladder was the primary design guy on that. So they that was their first tube amp that they made. And then uh, that went well. And one day they said, hey, uh, we want to do some more stuff. Um, I said, well, hey, you know, you want to buy my company? And they said, oh, okay. So, <laughs> so I sold Eggnator to them. And then, uh, what, maybe a year and a half, two years later, they go out of business and GHS buys it. <laughs> There's a whole history. I have a long history. So GHS oh, wow. buys Rocktron. And they all move to Grand Rapids, Michigan. And along with it goes Eggnator. Not me, but the company. And uh, so I called them. I said, hey, Bob what are you going to do with Eggnator? He goes, I don't know, probably nothing. I said, can I have it back? And he said, well, let me find out. So he goes, talks to the owner. His name is Russ. Real nice guy. Knew him too. I kind of know everybody, it turns out. So at this point, it's not <laughs> Tom Schultz. Tom Schultz has nothing to do with it. No, no, no. This is Rock Tron, not Rock Man. Oh, this is someone... the this is the Intellifax. Um, what else did they have? That was Hush. Their, the Hush. They invented the Hush. Right. That okay. was See, I saw somebody mention uh, Tom Schultz. It confused me. Gotcha. Nope. Yeah, everybody confuses yep. that one. So anyway, I uh, make a long story short. Uh, Bob said, well, Russ doesn't want to just give it back because he just paid a lot of money for the whole big company. He goes, why don't you design something for us and then we'll give it back to you. So I designed the Rocktron <coughs> Vendetta. Vendetta. Four-channel tube head. They're actually pretty cool. They made a hundred of them. I got my company back, and everybody was happy. So that's where that went. After that, uh, I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what did I do after that? Well, that's cool. I mean, have you worked with um, you know different artists over the years? You know, different people. Yeah, you know, I've always worked with not so much the rock star guy. Mm-hmm. It was more the guitar players in those bands. So I never did anything for Van Halen or any of those super duper guys. 
but I would do the stuff for the other guys in the band. That's just how I ended up doing all that. Um, some of them used our gear. I mean, Steve, I used one of our amps for a couple of years. Yep. Yep. I did I, his rig then. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But he, uh, you know, I never did anything else for him. Dave usually was the guy that worked with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just sat here at home and did stuff. So, but yeah, I, I recall, I don't have it with me, but there was a list of artists. I don't know. There must've been 50 well-known people on there that all use stuff. We never gave anything away. So they all mm-hmm. went into making music or whatever and yeah, bought them. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of them. I mean, Dave could probably name more of them than I can, but, uh, you know. Keith Howland with Chicago. uh, uh, It was the uh, studio, guys. David David Johnston that was with Elton John. um, um, A bunch of studio guys. um, They all had the preamps, like every single one of them. Tim Pierce, everyone. Um, Yeah. Harold Verhaen, I remember he was. Harold had one. He still has one. John Shanks had a head. Uh, Oliver Lieber had a head. Um, Melissa um, Etheridge. Had Melissa Etheridge had a combo. <laughs> Dave Barry, that was with Janet Jackson and Katie Lang and stuff, yeah. had uh, all, all sorts of stuff from us, combos and, and, uh, and uh, preamps and everything. Yeah. Um, uh, there's more. I just can't think of it right yeah, now. Yeah, there's a lot of them. But, you know, I've never <laughs> been in the, in the thick of it. I'm always out here in where it's quiet in the Midwest, and Dave always deals with uh, <laughs> the madness of that world out there. Yeah, that's my problem. That's Dave's thing. <laughs> so, I have a nice quiet life here in Detroit. So, Right, right, right. Yeah. That, that's, that's cool. Um, so how long did it take you to like, you know, cause clearly back then, you know, you didn't have the internet, you didn't have anything like that. It was all about, oh, someone's calling me, unfortunately. Call me right now. Uh, my friend in Alaska, like, what, what's he thinking? Like, he knows I'm doing this show right now. It's like my, my one friend who has no, doesn't have Facebook. He's calling ah. me. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> um, ruined my train of thought there so i was i was going to ask you know back then you had to read books you had to really you know have a mentor you know to really teach you back then you know that was it a a slow process was it, you know was it fast learning for you you know making these mods and tweaks and everything like that just curious it, it was uh the slowest thing you could ever imagine i guess um absolutely you uh you know you used to you didn't look on the internet for schematics you used to write to companies and just request a schematic. And some of them would send it, some of them wouldn't. I now have a file cabinet with about a thousand ir- strange schematics you can't replace for stuff that nobody ever heard of. Uh, mm-hmm. Every time I saw a new app, I, every company, every advertisement, I would write for a schematic. So I ended yeah. up with quite a collection. But that's how I learned was really reading schematics. There were a few books that were helpful. I remember Jack Dar um, was the author, this blue book that I had, you know, but that's what you had were books uh, and tube manuals. And the idea was to just look at what everybody else was doing and think you could do it better. 
so you did and you, mm-hmm. well you tried um i remember the first the very first stamp i actually made um before all the other stuff we were talking about uh boogie had just come out with that dual mode you know you could switch the lead master lead gain and master in and out sort of mm-hmm. you know pseudo two channel thing and I saw that, and it's like, well, that's cool, but I want. I was playing at the time, you know, and I said, well, I, I need tone controls on both channels. And I was just a dumb teenager, and I thought, well, heck, I can make that. So <laughs> I just made an amp, and it actually worked. Uh, in fact, a few <laughs> of them are still around, and I see them once in a while, which is kind of scary. But um so I made that and other people, that's when everything was really busy in Detroit and uh, other bands started to see them. My customers saw these things and it's like, well, we want one. So I made like, I don't know, there's probably 20 of them out there somewhere. Half of them I'm sure are in the, you know, in a landfill somewhere. It didn't have a name. Well, the company was Natech at the time. Hmm. Bruce Agnate her and I took the middle letters out and called it Natech. So that was just the repair shop, and I made some amps, and local guys started using them. So that was really the first actual thing I made from, you know, kind of like from my own brain and not a uh, just a modification of somebody else's stuff. Right. I so that was see, cool. Yeah, I remember seeing those amps around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was it a head or a combo? I remember, or just- I remember combos. Yeah, well, then, yeah, actually, yeah, there were combo. Yeah, there were heads. It was just a different box. But, yeah, it was a little 112 combo or a, a head. In fact, we sold a few of those through Arna Williams at the time. So, yeah. yeah, but they were cool. You know, by today's standards, they're kind of scary. But, uh, you know, I have a couple of guys that still have them and still like them and actually still use them. So I guess they couldn't have been that bad. Wow, that's that's cool though. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. You know what? We, we've got uh, over fifty people watching right now. Just so you know, oh, uh, good crowd. Um, maybe I'll go jump in and say hi to some folks. Is that cool? Yeah. Um, oh, by the way, I want to say uh, first off to Timothy Pierce, um, not Tim Pierce. You always <laughs> have to clarify that. But okay. Timothy Pierce, he. Um, he sent me a hat and a uh, T-shirt, so I want to thank him. That was very oh. nice of you. You didn't have to do that, but I thank you very much for doing that. And okay. um, so, that, and thanks, buddy. Um, so we've got a, a bunch of people. Chlorine Bacon Skin. First off, I, I love that name. Yeah, no good. <laughs> <laughs> and I think they said that that was a name from Scarface, from whatever reason. I, I have no idea what that. I don't know. I've never heard it. Me either. Uh, Tom, Tom Platts says, hey, uh, Dave, Mark, and Bruce. Uh, Kelly B., hello, gents. Uh, is that your phone, Dave? Yeah. Yeah, I feel the same way. <laughs> uh, Heath Brinker, he says, stoked about the guest tonight. Go Cubs. Yeah, <laughs> okay. They're Chicago, but that's fine. You know. All right. Yeah, right. Is Detroit playing? Detroit playing at all? I don't know. No, I don't know. Could be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Gear Addict says, hello, everyone. Tactical six string. Looks like you got Bruce's name wrong. Yes, I did. I got to, I, I'll, I will fix that. I will. I, I, I missed a, a letter there when I was oh. in, in my rush of spelling your name on the thing. My, my bad. Yeah. Um, 
uh, let's see. Uh, what else we got? Is everyone else? No, I, I, I actually was really, really happy with the GitCon stuff. I don't know. Did you guys see some of those GitCon commercials uh, or uh, videos that were on YouTube? No. Dave? Uh, yeah, I've seen I've seen some of the videos and stuff. Yeah, and I was talking to Pete Thorne about his experience there. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, positive. Yeah, no, he loved it. He said it was great. Yeah, I, I cool. I thought the uh, the videos that were coming out of it were fun, and they looked. Yeah, looked- there's a lot, a lot, lot, lot more content from every single one of the of the different. Uh, uh, people that that were there that are going to be coming out in their channels over the next few weeks. I mean, there's a lot more content. I mean, yeah, yeah, I would imagine so. So, just so you know, Bruce, what what we're talking about is um, uh, there was, I think, through Warwick and Framus. Is that who it is, Framus? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Warwick and Framus and Henning Pauly. And um, Henning Pauly, they put together uh, a a YouTube. It got all the different channels that do music and gear and talk and, you know, those types of things and reviews. A lot of these people together in, I believe, in Germany uh, at the Warwick uh, factory. And they had, I think, a whole week of getting together and doing jams and different content. And uh, Pete Thorne was there. Phil X was there. And a bunch of the different channels were there. You know, Phil McKnight. I don't know if you know any of these people, but uh, Henning Pauly. Um, and et cetera. I thought it was really good, uh, you know, based on what I saw. You know, I think it would have been great to be there as well. Maybe one day we'll go if we get invited. So, cool. um, yeah, that was pretty cool. So if any, uh, you know, someone said that they were sick of it, but I, I thought it was really good. Um, <laughs> so, well, if you're sick of it now, there's still going to be a lot more videos coming out. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, And I, I believe with Heath Brinker, I thought GitCom was kind of cool. So, um Someone says, "Is is sound objective? Isn't sound objective? I, I think sound is objective or is subjective, as maybe you would say." Oh yeah, yeah, totally. There's no right. There's no right or wrong. Mm-mm. Completely. Yeah, it's I mean, funny. We, uh, um, at a, a point a number of years ago, we had a little shop in the back of a music store where the uh, teachers were sitting out in the other room and the most of them were like jazz and you know really great players but they they weren't rock and roll guys and uh, we were back there i don't know what amp we were testing i think it might have been the armageddon or something like that and it sounded great and then uh we walked out and they're staring at me like you might want to look at you know getting a day job here because to them it was just it was you know john deere farm machinery so yeah, no, there is no right or wrong. It's you know whatever, whatever's good is is good. Doesn't matter what it is. Yeah, it, yeah. Well, it's good if it's good to you and it sounds good, you know. But yeah. then again, if if it sounds good to you and then everybody's telling you it sounds like shit, you might want to rethink that. Yeah, you could revisit <laughs> that, you know. But uh, you know. at least that's that's uh, my feeling. But. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I do. It, it is subjective, and it's everybody's tone in their ear. But uh, there are some rules, or at least some things that you can go by to give you some good tone, and that's for sure. Yeah, within reason. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Dave Marshall popped in. 
Yes, hi Dave, and uh, hi, Dave. yes, and yes, Dave, you you did help tweak on the original preamp. <laughs> That's what he said in there. Oh, okay. Don't forget me. I was there helping. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Dave. Marshall. <laughs> uh, let's see. Father Zappi was the bomb. Motley Jew says. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's not spelled like Jew, Jew. So otherwise, I, I'd be removing that. Um, okay. <laughs> let's see. Um, let's see. Awesome. Want to hear everything about the modular story? Beginning, middle, present. Randall to synergy. Humming pumpkin says. Okay. Want to tell us? Oh, we could do that now. Yeah. Um, well, actually, that was I came up with this idea like long, long ago, and I even made a couple of. Uh, systems prototype systems and what i what i did was made a bunch of little and this was just an idea i had so i made it it wasn't for anybody in particular um but i had a bunch of little single space half rack metal boxes so what i did was made a different sounding preamp it was all tube stuff and i made a different sounding preamp in each one of them and had I don't know, five or six different preamps. One was a Fender, one was a Marshall, one was a Vox, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But they were all individual units, and they went into a rack with this separate, sort of like a loop switcher thing before loop switchers existed, and you could select which preamp you wanted through this separate rack mount thing, and it all went into a rack, and I made this thing. It's like, wow, this is kind of cool. And it got the they all had the power from the other units and all that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, again, a couple of the popular local bands saw it and said, we need those. So I started, I made a bunch of them, and then that was it. That was, like, many, many years ago. Uh, and then all the stuff we've talked about took place. And, and I was working at Rocktron. Uh, and it was kind of near the end. We knew Rocktron was going to go under and something was going to happen there. And my friend Frank was the CFO at Rocktron. And he's a guitar player. I've known him forever. And he said, hey, well, what are you going to do when we're done here? I said, I don't know, Pinky. What do you want to do? And he said, uh, uh, what was that modular thing you, you did long years ago? And I, I, you know, so we talked about it. He goes, you want to do something with that? I said, okay. So he had the money and I had the, the brain, I guess. And, uh, so we came up with really the, the modular stuff, um, that you guys know about with the plug-in mm-hmm. things. And that was what, 15 years ago, 20 years ago probably. Um, So we did that. And it's funny when we first started doing that, it was just an idea. We said, well, let's go for it and see what happens. And we actually, the first NAM show we did, Frank and I had the first NAM show with that stuff. We had the rack with four modules in it. We had a fender, two marshals and a box. And we went to Nashville NAM, and we had our little booth. In fact, it was right next to Line 6 when they had that, the very first thing they came out with that looked like a spaceship that sounded cool oh, that the, nobody the knew about. Yeah, no, this was an amp. What is an AX? Yeah. 
Oh. Not AX2 or something. It, mm. it, it sounded cool, but uh, nobody could figure out how to work it, so they, I think they kind of rethought what they were doing. But we mm. were right next to them. Um, so we have this, li- this little booth. We have the rack with the preamp in it, two 112 cabinets with vintage 30s, a couple of chairs and a guitar, and we didn't have a power amp, so I threw a power amp together like the week before in a just in a bo- a metal box mm-hmm. with a couple of six L sixes, and it just we threw it behind the rack. So that's all we had in the booth. So while we're there, the the uh, and this is Nashville, so this is where the players were, mm-hmm. and they came uh, to the one of the local stores. His name was Dave Wilkerson, and he owned TechStar, which was a music store that was in. The giant rehearsal place. What's that called? Soundcheck. The place they had the flood and wrecked everybody's stuff in Nashville. That was Soundcheck. It's a big, huge rehearsal place where all the all the big touring bands would do their full dress rehearsals before the Mm -hmm. tours. Dave had a store in there, so he was connected to every player in town. And he came over. He's like, "Uh, "What do you got there?" And we showed him. He's like, "Okay, yeah." He goes, "I'll tell you what." And he listened to the Vox module. Because everybody had Vox amps. That was the sound you had to have. And um, he brought, he said, okay, I'm going to bring over a couple of guys. If you can, if they like it, you're in. If they don't like it, you're screwed. So we're like, well, all right, whatever, bring them over. (laughs) I think it was like Brent Mason and a couple other guys before any of them were anybody, you know. Mm. And they all came over and it's like, oh, okay, so this is going to replace my you know, 1961 box EL84 Bulldog speaker amp, huh? I said, I don't know. So they plugged it in and they start playing and the look on their face was like, holy crap, this is impossible. So they all took turns playing it and they said, this is the most amazing thing ever. They said, this won't replace my amp, but I would tour with this and I would take this out with me and then I can leave my amp at home and I'm perfectly happy. It's close enough to my vintage box that I would use it. So that's where it started, um, which was really cool. That was a good, you know, to instantly get in with the Nashville crowd was kind of cool. So we did that. um, And at the same show, that's right. That's where uh, guys from Randall came over and they saw it said wow this is great and then they left and then they kept coming back and then they'd bring other people and they came back like 10 times during the show <laughs> and eventually they said this is the coolest thing we've ever seen how we want to do something with you how do we hook up with you and so we worked out a deal with them and they had we continued to make the Eggnator handmade modular stuff in Detroit and at the same time uh, they had their own version we licensed it to them the technology we have a patent on that plug-in modular concept uh so we had a 10-year deal with them and when it was you know after 10 years they said you want to do this again and Randall had sold the company to somebody else and all that kind of stuff we're like nah we don't want to do that mm-hmm. so we we uh finished with Randall and then uh so now we have we still have the patent and then I went to work for um, when we did the Eggnator stuff with a, a company called ETI, that's who's out in California that does all the Eggnator amps that you see and all the, the mass-produced stuff that's all made in China and it's cool, but 
that's like the other world. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we hooked up with them for all that for a number of years. And now they also said, hey, what about this modular thing? And that's, you know, two, three, I don't know how long has it been, Dave, three years. Yeah, three years of development at least, right? Yeah. But it's, now, it's now shipping, so. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we quit making them here for a few years, and then uh, we started with the, the new Synergy line, and it's the modular stuff, next generation, sort of. Yeah, yeah. Hi, so that's hi, the yeah, history updated. of it. Yeah, yeah. For sure. all new stuff. And the cool thing now uh, was that, you know, when we were doing it, we were just mimicking different amps, different companies. And then uh, there are a number of um, people like uh, Robert, um, Jaded Faith, and uh, a few other people that started modifying the modules, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, so it kept the whole world alive. Well, now... What we've done, uh, to take it a step further, we've contacted all my friends in the business, like Dave and Mike Saldano and Peter Diesel. Everybody knows everybody mm-hmm. in this business. We're all friends. We all, we're all competitors, but in the end, we're all friends at the same time, and we, we trade things. Um, Which is very cool. I mean, it's, that yeah. doesn't happen often, and it's good because... I mean, it's nice to hear. That's a, you know, it's. I think that's part of the musician, you know, people who are musicians and you know, being nice to each other and stuff. Yeah. You know, for the well, yeah, I, like, I, like all, the, I, I like to hear it. It's nice, nice to hear. Yeah, we're kind of all in the same band, you know. Um, yeah. So what we've done is talk to all the new, all the guys like that, and said, "Hey, you want to do a module?" And years ago, they weren't interested, but now the world's a different place, and everybody wanted in on it. So now we do have, Dave's got a number of modules. We have a couple that I did that are just a synergy brand. Um, mm-hmm. But we do have a Mike, we have an SLO module that Mike Soldano gave us the circuit for. And the way, it, the way this all works is they draw the schematic or tell me what they want. And I'm the guy that turns it into the circuit, into the physical module. But the actual, artistry of it is is the the real guys like dave gives me a schematic of exactly what he wants and i just turn it into a module for him um but we do have diesel we have morgan uh god how many more are there i can't even remember uh, there's like eight or nine different companies there's probably how many modules are there metropolis now? i think metropolis too yeah, yeah metropolis george, and- george did a module um, um there's my modules and 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 there's some synergy branded modules and and I know Stevie Fryette is working on some stuff for it for under both I think both Fryette and Sound City. Right. Um, well, that's good. I think I, I think Angle is coming aboard now too. Okay. Yeah. Um. At least that's what I hear. Yeah. So um, that's what the new version of it is actually the real people. Mm-hmm are doing modules for the system. So it's, yeah. it's a kind of pretty exciting thing, actually. So to answer the question, that's the history of the modular. That's cool. No, it's great. I mean, it's, uh, I don't think, you know, I mean, there's some people out there who might, might, might not be familiar with it, you know? Oh, I'm sure there's yeah plenty that are not familiar with it. Yeah, if you want to check it out, you can go to, I think, is it synergy.com now? That, or synergyamps.com? Yeah. Hell, I'm not... 
sure, exactly. <laughs> another, it's probably Synergy Amps. Yeah. And hopefully oh, you know, SynergyAmps.com. I was going to ask you, Bruce, if you want to talk about um, your amp building courses that you have. Oh, okay. Well, that's another exciting thing that we do. Uh, actually, I've been doing that for 10 years. I do everything for in 10-year increments. You know? <laughs> um, hey, you guys better hurry up. He might stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you never know. Uh, but it's, uh, it's a great thing. Um, we do have a website for that. I did the website myself, but, you know, it's, it's cool. Uh, it's ampbuildingclass.com. And what you do is sign up for a, this class. It's a two-day thing we do on uh, Saturday and Sunday. And the first day, you actually build a hot-rotted, really great-sounding boutique-level Marshall amp. You build it yourself with our guidance, of course. Mm -hmm. um, we supply everything. We even feed them and, you know... Um, they don't stay at my house. They have to get their own hotel and car and stuff. But, um, so we first day we build it. The second day uh, is even cooler. I mean, that's cool. Everybody gets to build an amp. But, you know, you can go. You can buy kits. You can go to other classes and probably build an amp. I don't think the amps are as – they're usually like a Mojo kit, you know, a Champ or a Princeton or a, mm -hmm. a Deluxe, where this is actually kind of like a for real custom hot-rotted amp. Nice. But uh, the second day is uh, schooling day, and what we do is tape the schemat blow up the schematics really big, and I tape them to the wall, real old school, and we do a classroom situation all day long and try and teach, you know, everything I know in six hours. So we just kind of, which clearly doesn't work that way, but, uh, you, you know, anybody that, comes and does this walks out learning a heck of, knowing a heck of a lot more than when they came in mm -hmm. um and then you go off on your own and do stuff i mean we've had people that uh, a lot of beginners that had never done anything never soldered a thing uh one particular guy comes to mind is mark day from uh he's yeah. now with with accent yeah, effects yeah, yeah. he, used to be he was class. in he did a crazy thing he was in the first class we did long ago, probably more than 10 years. And he came, he lived way up in Canada somewhere. It must have, I think it was about a 10 hour drive. And he drove down here uh, and he did the class. And then he left about, I don't know, eight, nine o'clock that night. And the next morning, I had never met him. He was just another guy in the class. Real smart though. You could tell this guy was real smart, but he didn't know anything about amps. Absolutely nothing. I don't know if he ever even soldered. And uh, by the next morning, like 8 o'clock in the morning, he already had videos on um, YouTube. And it's like, wait a minute, you just left here. You know, how did you do that? He was so... Now, he had been awake all day building an amp. Mm-hmm. He, drove, he said he was so geeked up by this whole experience that he drove straight through. He couldn't sleep because I was so wide awake and geeked up. I just got in my car and drove. And he drove all the way home. And then he stayed up and made a bunch of videos. They're on that website. Um, 
So, you know, people that, and now that he, he kind of, uh, credits us a little bit for getting him into the, to the music business. He was already a great guitar player, but he wasn't involved with the, the gear at all. And then he worked for Dave for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now he works for XFX. So it's, uh, you know, we can take credit for getting some people started in their, their career, whether it's, you know, a good thing or not is up to them, but <laughs> so, <laughs> no, that's but, yeah. awesome. That's great. Yeah, so it's it's a great thing. Our big, our our most um, hardest thing is promoting stuff nowadays. That's what we find. Every time we do a class, we only do them two or three times a year. Mm-hmm. And every time we do, I go out on Facebook and do all the usual stuff, and we get countless people that go, "What is this? I've never heard of this." And it's like, well, you know, we've been doing it for ten years, and so it's difficult to promote things nowadays it used to be easier to put ads in magazines and newspapers and you know yeah. now with the internet you'd think it would be real easy you just everybody would know and it's it's different so yeah. promotion is always a an interesting thing but it's it's fun and it's it's a just a great experience for everybody that's ever done it. i've never had anybody walk out of there and go this wasn't cool no i mean so, if i were closer i would love to do it and uh, i think yeah. <laughs> I think anybody who has the opportunity to do it should definitely uh, hit you up. How, 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 how closer? Did... What's you're that? Not that? You're not that far away from Michigan. Yeah, <laughs> you, you can get on a you, you know you fly to Boston. You could do it. I well, I could do it eventually. One one of these days, I'd love to do it. You can I, just I, get on I seventy five and get off in Detroit, and you're there. You know, so. I, I I I'd love to do it. Trust me, I just got to <laughs> find the time. You know, it's but, yeah. But I think I think people should. You know, there are a lot of people out there who might not know about this. So, um, how do they how do they get in touch with you, Bruce, to uh, to do it? Uh, if they go to the website, they can contact me through that. There's a, a contact page. Um, I have a phone number. It's two four eight five four one ninety one hundred. Okay, is the shop phone, but probably through the website or uh, just my personal email, bagnator at aol. So okay. again, old school. I had. <laughs> you kept I was the, the first guy on the internet, and I still have AOL. <laughs> well, you know, if, if if any of you guys, uh, you guys, if you're interested in doing the class, you really should do it. I think it's a cool thing. I stopped by his class. For the first time uh, ever, when I was in Detroit this last weekend and on Saturday, and and uh, you know, I think it's really cool. You're going to get a cool amp when it's done, um, and you're going to build it yourself. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's amazing. So you can actually build it, the whole thing in one day. That's the that's the. Uh, well, the- we we um, pre what pre build portions of it. We wire the tube sockets. We do a lot of the mechanical assembly that. I don't know, kind of don't consider screwing transformers into a chassis a real learning experience. So we just do kind of the the, the icky stuff. So mm-hmm. the chassis is pretty much ready, but they build the circuit board, which is kind of a cool thing because a lot of people don't get to build a, a circuit board. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, most people don't get to build a circuit board. So it's, uh, it's kind of a cool thing, and uh, you develop some soldering skills. Even if you've never done it before, by the time you leave there, you'll be efficient at soldering so yeah i think it was really cool and you know the fact of the matter is too you're doing the class and you're you're gonna get something out of it too it's not just you know you're you're gonna get a cool amp when you're done you know and it's it's uh 
Uh, yeah, I think yeah. A, a really, really a, a cool app. I mean, like with cool features, and uh, it's a you know. Yeah, I've seen some of them that have come. Now, uh, are the is the amp uh, different every time, uh, Bruce, or is you keep the schematic the same for each? Actually, class? now we've we've sort of narrow refined it to the point where we've been doing the same one for probably a couple of years. Um, there is a twenty watt and fifty watt version, but they're identical except for the transformers and the tubes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so the twenty watt one uses a pair of six. V6s, uh, and the 50-watt uses a pair of VL34s. Um, and then the other, you know, the different transformers for different power, but they're identical. Everybody's building the exact same thing, just with mm. some different parts like that. Mm. And uh, as far as cost, it's 1500 bucks for the 20-watt, $1,650 for the 50-watt, in case anybody was wondering. so Yeah, that's good. And it is the coolest thing we do, you know, out of all the stuff I've ever done. And it's, you know, it's, it's kind of corny, but I feel like I'm contributing to, to perpetuating the art, you know, it's, it's a building tubes and tube amps will eventually go away. But, uh, we get a surprising number of young guys doing this. Uh, we've Mm -hmm. had a couple of girls, but in particular, we have a lot of young guys, um, which is encouraging. You know, it's not just a bunch of old yeah, friends. You know. With the other guy in the class, that, that one that was there when we were there, it was 20, 20, yeah, early it was 20 22 years old. 22. Uh, and he, this oh, was like cool. the coolest thing ever. So, you know, it's not dead yet, and we're contributing to try and keep people exposed to it. And it's still yeah. out there, and it's still great. I think yeah, it's a great, yeah. a great thing. Share the knowledge, you know. It's an art. It's an art form to make this stuff. There, you know, it's uh, at least the way I see it. You know, I, I kind of equate it to. I was just thinking about it today. You know, I, I recently for my birthday I got a an Apple Watch, right? So I've been wearing that for probably about a week or so. And um, but I've always been a watch guy, and I've always worn like an actual mechanical watch. Mm-hmm. Um, And I was thinking even just recently about that lost art of people (laughs) making, you know, like real timepieces, right? Oh, my God. You know, versus just looking down at this digital thing on my wrist that uh, doesn't require anything but some circuitry, you know? Well, everything's like that, you know? Like, there's lost arts everywhere. I mean, there's, hell, the way they build a house now is there's lost art from the old days, you know? Mm -hmm. There was there was some craftsmanship that went back into the old houses that you can't even find someone to do it today. Mm-hmm. You, they they don't know uh, you know find yeah. a pl- plaster guy that actually yeah. uses plaster, <laughs> you know. And, uh, and, and you know there might still be a couple around, but I mean you know it's kind of a lost art. Yeah, yeah. all of that is. I mean, some yeah. you know some things are okay that they get lost, but. You know, a lot of stuff you don't want to see it go away, so it's and cool. Cook, cooking, yeah. You know, uh, and I think back. I, maybe it's just the perception. When I think about, the, you know, I always get teased by my kids, but I always remind them. I used to tell them about my grandmother's meals. I'm like, oh, my grandmother's meals were the best, and uh, they're like, yeah, 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 sure they were. Um, <laughs> but you know, but I'm like, no, they really were. And uh, but uh, you know, like even that is a lost art. So. Yeah. Yeah, but that's great that you pass it down and, you know, you're giving people the opportunity to learn it, which is great. Yeah, 
Yeah. You know, you said about watches, it's interesting. My my daughter works for a, a company in downtown Detroit called Shinola. Yeah. And they make watches. They make they hand build watches. They're uh, you know, four hundred to three thousand dollars. And this is just a booming business. Um, and they're mechanical watches. Mechanical so, watches. Yeah. Oh, okay. so, uh, good to hear. Yeah. yeah don't, don't they also do turntables too? Or they now make tur- – they actually started out end. making bicycles. Yeah. High handmade high-end bicycles. And then it turned into watches, and now there's leather goods. You know, they hand-make a bunch of leather stuff. Mm-hmm. And they also make – yeah, they make a turntable. Yeah. So what's like the mission statement? That's a real broad uh, set of products there. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, well, the guy that I think it's, it's bringing, I think, I think what they're, they were, well, don't quote me on this, but I think what they were trying to do is, is, is there, it's all in Detroit, right? So it's bringing back yeah. uh, American jobs mm, with okay. American industry in really what once was the capital of industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, making products here again with pride and 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 quality and you know, old world craftsmanship. I think yep. is essentially their their thing. Yeah. Well, that's cool. That's yeah. good. In fact, they're yeah, doing cause... so well. They're building a hotel. There's going to be a Shinola Hotel here. <laughs> that's how well the company's doing. So well, that's good to hear. That's yeah. good to hear. Yeah, most of the uh, automatic wa- or mechanical watches that you, you hear are typically Swiss made, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. So to have something built in America, that's pretty cool. Yeah. too. so that's cool. Yeah, good Anyways. stuff. Um, All right. Oh, one thing I was reminded. Um, two things actually. So, Dave, happening this weekend in Brooklyn, which is my hometown, by the way, just so you know, uh, oh. which I wish I was there, uh, is the Effects Pedal and Gear Expo. Fear the Riff? Yep. Um, yes, it is. So what, what, what's going on there? So you guys, that's the, uh, it's New York's first annual. You guys are, are there? We're, we're, we're there. Uh, one of our uh, sales reps for that territory is there with some of our products. Um, I, don't, I don't know a whole lot about it, but I do know he's there, and it's a show, and it's one of the first thing, and I think it's Sam Ash is involved with it, if I'm not mistaken, to some extent. And... Um, and I, I don't know. I think it's going to be cool. Anybody in New York wants to check it out October 7th, which is tomorrow, I guess, um, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Brooklyn is my hometown. That's where I was born. Wow. So, yeah. Cool. I'm a Brooklyn boy. So check it out, www.feartheriff.com, if you guys want to check that out. Um, I saw something interesting, Dave. I wanted to bring this up. I saw Neil Sean posted – on uh, Twitter, I think yesterday, or maybe it was Facebook, that he's looking for one of his original Sean guitars that were built by Grover Jackson. Oh, yeah? A specific one? Yeah, he says, anyone have one of these in white, in excellent condition they want to sell? I'm interested. Hmm. <laughs> and he has a picture of it. That's funny. Yeah. So, I thought wow. that was, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um, yeah. I think Dave knows somebody that could make one for him. <laughs> sure, I do, and, and it still won't have a Floyd on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know that one. Um, no, actually, the guitar that he has pictured here doesn't have a Floyd as well. So, 
that was a, I guess that was an inside joke. Um, and then the other thing, there was a question here on from Jincy Parker Spark sent me a private message asking Dave and uh, certainly Bruce, so like you know, curious of your opinions as well about Greg Germino's amps in North Carolina. They wanted to know your opinion, so uh, I said I would ask. I don't really know Greg uh, at all, but I, I know that he makes a, a good uh, uh, Marshall you know, classic uh, vintage style amplifier. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he puts a lot of care into it, and I know, uh, you know, the amps are well-made, and uh, I think they're all made by him, if I'm not mistaken. It's I like think a they small are shop. Well. I think it's a small sh- small little operation. So, I think I, I think- met him once. He was a really nice guy, but I don't know anything about his amps, but they look nice. So... Yeah, I mean, um, anybody interested, uh, I know a guy who is endorsed by, by Jermino Amps, uh, Greg, uh, with, uh, Jacob Derrips, mm-hmm. uh, young, young guitarist. Uh, he has, I think he has his 50-watt Plexi, non-master volume. Uh, it sounds great. He's, he was actually using, uh, just recently used the Variac on it. Sounds sounds awesome. He does a lot of Van Halen stuff and everything. So. Cool. Yeah. Um, so check that out. Let's see. I'm going to go back to, we've got a question here from, Mateus Azevedo, he says, uh, Dave Friedman, I'm looking at a low wattage Friedman head and looking at the Run 20 for its versatility. How's the clean breakup tones, especially using direct out? Well, the, I mean, the clean, the clean will break up. I mean, when you, when you drive the power section enough for it to break up, um, meaning there, you have a volume knob, basically, at that point, and a presence knob on the amp. And uh, and the more you crank it up, the more grit you'll get. It's not a lot of grit, but it you know, it will get crunch up and sound cool. With the direct out, yeah, you can crank it. Cool. I I, uh, I have the Run Twenty. I can tell you that um, it sounds great, and uh, exactly what you just said, Dave. I mean, you can run it direct out and crank it if you want, or you can keep the cleans real nice and glassy and completely clean if you want to. So. Um, Rowcamp56 has a question for you, Dave. Also, uh, have you tried to run the Dirty Shirley pedal into a power amp? Um, mm, yes, I have. I had to think about that for a minute because it's still so new. Uh, yeah, and it, it can be, it can sound cool. It can sound totally cool into a totally clean, uh, power section. Sure. All right, cool. Um, and he also wrote, Rowcamp56 wrote, Eggnator, great amps, with a big exclamation point. Um, Cousin Vinny says, hey, Mark, how's it going, buddy? Um, and we have a question here for you, Bruce, from Timothy Pierce. He says, how did you start, decide to start the amp class? Uh, well, that's one of those funny stories, too. A decade ago, I believe I was sitting in the bathroom reading a magazine and I was looking at stuff and I said to myself, self, I wonder if we could teach people how to build amps. So I went into the other room and I asked my wife, I said, hey, do you think we could teach people people to build amps? And she goes, I don't know, I guess. And that's it. That's the whole story. Um, that's a hysterical story. Oh, that's how it really happened. And actually, what we did the very first class, we bought uh, Mojo kits, but I modified them. 
So you were actually building a modified Mojo 50-watt Marshall kit. And then we eventually just got away from that because it's you're modifying it. I wanted it to be, uh, you know, from the ground up. So I redesigned it over over yeah. time, a number of times. So we, we have refined it. But, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, a lot of stuff is like that. You just get some kooky idea one day. And, and I'm kind of one of those people that just goes for it. What's, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Nobody will die, I hope, you know. Um, so that's it. There's nothing really super cool about that other than we went for it. Well, I, and that's yeah. what other people should do. That's what we're trying to do here. There you go. Is, yeah. You know, you've got an idea, just do it. Go for it. What's, you know, what's, what could happen? You waste some time, maybe. So. That's awesome. That's great that you yeah. do it. Speaking of uh, anyone dying, has anyone ever electrocuted themselves in doing this? <laughs> I, I had to ask. I just I haven't gotten killed yet. Um, <laughs> sure, you've been shocked lots of times, and it's not like a cool thing, and it's nothing to brag about. It's because you were, you know, you were foolish and. Uh, <laughs> well, and don't you find? Attention. Yeah, don't, I mean, don't you find? I always say this. I go, the longer you do it, the more careless you get about it. Oh, sure. <laughs> I yeah. can change that part while the amp's on all the way. No problem. Or you, you, know? or you forget to turn it off or whatever. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, Bam. Whoops. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and yeah, I've gotten a few really good ones. Um, the key, which none of us do, but the key is to keep your one of your hands in your pocket so that, yeah. uh, you know, imagine you've got your right hand in the amp and you're going to touch the high voltage. It would be really cool if the volt, if volts like, glowed blue or something or had a color and you could see it but you can't so if you don't know where it is it could be anywhere so you can have high voltage in an amp which is anywhere from 400 to 800 volts it, it can be bad if you have your other hand on the metal chassis which is ground when you touch your your hand on the hot spot it actually the electricity flows through your arms and through your heart to right. get you know, the least, the path of least resistance. So, you know, that's bad when you do that. Um, I have actually, I read some stuff about guitar players who had been electrocuted playing live, like in concerts. There were a couple of them. Um, what, Pete Townsend? Gosh, I can't. I, I heard of Pete Townsend. I could swear I read about that, but maybe well, I'm well. He didn't get killed, but, you know, I mean, there are no, people no, who got no, no, he didn't get killed, but he electrocuted, but he didn't get oh, killed. Oh, yeah. yeah. But there are a couple of, of bands from long ago where people got, guitar players got electrocuted, you know. And they touching died. Their, and they died, well, yeah. yeah. It was also when a lot of the gear didn't have grounds and things. Yeah. <laughs> and you, t- you touched your guitar and a microphone and, and you know. Yeah. It would be bad. So, yeah. I mean, things are are a little safer now if people follow the rules, which most don't. <laughs> um, but if you do, you're, you're, you're better off, you know? Yes. Yeah. So, well, I, I know I had one of my experiences. I was trying to bias one of my amps and then suddenly I had to call Dave, like my tube is glowing super red and it's about to explode. <laughs> turn, turn it, it off. off. I, turn it <laughs> off. <laughs> you know where the on off switch is? Yeah. yeah I, well, that's what I did immediately. I showed it off and I was like, okay, I know I, I did something wrong and then, they wrote me back. I told them that the uh, the guide pin was broken off one of the tubes, and I put it in wrong. That's what happened. Oh, 
I've done that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that happens. Yeah, so, so that happens. Uh, we hey, gotta, I, I, I got uh, a good story that Bruce could tell, maybe. Good. What, what about the uh, soldering iron story with Randy Jacobs? Oh, <laughs> see, I forget about these things till other people bring them up. Uh, Randy, that Dave mentioned earlier, who lives out there now. Um, when he lived here, I used to actually sometimes go to his house to work on his gear. He didn't live far away. And I had uh, my wife and my, I think it was Ian. He was probably three or four years old. I think it was my son. Mm-hmm. He's 30 now. That's why I can't remember exactly when it was. But uh, I was at his house, and I had a soldering iron sitting in a little holder on top of his his amps. And I was looking down, and I reached up with my left hand, or my right hand to pick up the soldering iron and I picked it up and I looked and I had picked up the wrong end. So, <laughs> so the hot soldering iron is laying across the inside of my fingers now and my kids sitting there and it was like, Oh shit, this isn't going to be good. <laughs> so I like, I, I just kind of carefully, I set it back down. I was ready to, I was about to pass out, but I set the soldering iron back down and Randy's standing there with his jaw on the floor, and and Terry, my wife, is like, and Randy, and they're looking, watching this, and I didn't want to start throwing it. I didn't, you know, I didn't want to throw the thing, and I didn't want to start swearing in front of my kid. Right. So uh, Randy goes, doesn't that hurt? I said, yeah, it hurts more than you could ever possibly imagine. And, but, uh, yeah, that was the story. And I, oh, so it gets worse. So, uh, you know, this happens and I, I, I survived and I wrapped them up and put some stuff on them. And, you know, it was like that for a week or so. And, uh, you know, I kind of, you know, a little self-medication. I took care of it. It's not a big deal. Uh, except that after it started to heal, I couldn't straighten my fingers out. It had healed with my fingers bent. Mm. And I couldn't straighten them out. I couldn't even push them to, to open them. It's like, ah, crap, this isn't going to work. So I went to the doctor, and he looks at it. He goes, um, how long has it been like this? I said, well, I did it about a week ago. He goes, well, let me look at it and see. And he took my fingers, and he just bent them back. And I heard the stuff, the skin or whatever, I heard it actually rip inside my fingers. Oh, he bent the fingers, and I, and I heard it go... And he goes, okay, now (laughs) what had happened, it healed from the inside. So anyway, it was just a stupid thing. So yeah, you gotta be careful. Uh, You know, it wasn't permanent. They work, they work just fine now. Mm -hmm. I only see three there. Hang on. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that was, that was just one of many stupid things that we do in life. Yeah. You know, mistakes happen. Yeah. It happens. It happens. You gotta be careful. Yeah. Careful. Um, hey, look what happened to Tony Iommi, right? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, um, let's see. We had a uh, Francisco Guardian from uh, Costa Rica. Yeah. So, uh, say hi to him. Hi, Francisco. Um, Francisco took the class when we did it. At, we did one, two of them at Sweetwater a few years ago, and he actually came from Costa Rica oh, nice. to do to do the amp class. So we've wow. been friends ever since. He brought me coffee, then he sent me coffee, and uh, mm. like 
the good stuff, you know. Oh, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good. By the way, by the way, Randall Aiken is on here and says hi. Bruce. Really? Yeah. Wow. Hey, Randall. And uh, yeah, he says the Jack Dar book was great. I still have that one. Yeah, that's a good one. That was the one I couldn't. I can't remember the name of the book, but he only wrote one. So if uh, you know, aspiring, not even aspiring anybody that does guitar amps should just have that book. Um, I think it's called the Guitar Amplifier Handbook or something. And the, right, it was right, right. his name is Jack Dar D A R R, and you have to have that book, or you're not a real amp guy. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll have to download it or buy yeah. it. Yeah, that's cool. Um, Dave Marshall said, I toured with Slaughter with the Red Eggnator 4-channel preamp. Loved it. Cool. Yep. Uh, Todd Flowers, hello from Bradenton, Florida. Spot MFD, Miami in the house. Um, Matthew Harrison, where is the amp class? Detroit? Question mark. Yes, that's where it's at. That's where it's at. Right? Yeah, it's actually Berkeley, Michigan. So anybody that's afraid to, to come to afraid to come to Detroit, we're not actually in the pit of the city. We're in the north yeah, suburb. Well, the pit of the city now wouldn't be uh, be afraid to come to. No, Detroit's cool, but uh, yeah. we are in you know a little bit north of Detroit, like yeah. ten minutes. Yeah, yeah really, really nice little area. Yeah. yeah. We're on 12 Mile, and uh, Detroit stops at 8 Mile. And, there, yes, there actually is an 8-mile road, for real, <laughs> <laughs> that Eminem was from, you know. Oh, okay. That's what you, oh, I see what that's what you're referring to. Yeah, gotcha. well, Eminem's from here, too. So Right, right. So is uh, Kid Rock, right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Did I? <laughs> yeah, well, you know. Um, let's see. Uh, we've got Justin Mabe from Utah says hi. Um, and Chad Spittle says, love the way Bruce voices amps. Dave too. Thank uh, you. And Francisco says, Bruce's amp building seminars are the ama- are an amazing experience. Excellent. Super cool. Well, Thomas, Thomas Earl says hello from Orange County. Um, and oh, chlorine bacon skin Prince song. Yes, I'm sorry. What the hell was I thinking with a? It's a Prince song. Okay, okay. I would have never gotten that. I think it's better in a, a Scarface movie. Sorry. Um, uh, let's see, Dave. I finally got a BE100. Good evening, gentlemen. Ryan Criswell says. Cool. Very good. Congratulations, man. I, so did I. I just got a BE100. Um, I don't have one. <laughs> I need one, but I don't have one. <laughs> there you go. Dave, get on. Oh, here, Rand- Randall Aiken's got one. He goes, has Bruce or Dave ever had a large electrolytic capacitor explode in their face? I'm asking from experience. <laughs> it makes you look like Daffy Duck with a beak blown off. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I've never uh, had that explode in uh, my face, but I have had one explode on the bench. Yeah, no, I, I've never been injured by one. Randy, oh, yeah. you, you, you got the brunt of it, I guess. <laughs> yes. Not good. So Francisco asks, uh, and I'd love to hear this, he says, tell us about the Stevie Ray Vaughan Dumble story. Oh. Oh, yeah. I forgot <laughs> about that. I, actually, I, I that comes up every once in a while, so I actually have it written in. I, I wrote it out. Um, and it's on my amp building class website. Um, but 
it's it's years ago, long ago, I worked at Arnold Williams Music, was another super cool music store in Detroit here. Mm-hmm. Um, God, it must have been early 80s again. 71, yeah, probably early 80s. Um, and I got a call, just a, a service call, to repair some stuff at the Royal Oak Theater, which was, it's still here. It's a cool little music theater. Uh, probably holds, what, maybe 800 people, something like that. No, it's more than that, I think. Is it? That's bigger yeah, than I that. Yeah, it's more than a few thousand people. Or oh, is it? Okay. I haven't been there for a long Now it's a bar, so I haven't been there for a while. But, um, And I got a call to go do this service call. And uh, the guy says, yeah, it's for Stevie Ray Vaughan. And I had, I knew the name and I had heard the music, but he was, wasn't big yet. He was just a, just a guy. And uh, the guitar tech calls and he says, all right, he's got uh, this pile of, well, I said, well, what do you got? I, I need to know what to bring. You can't just walk in without any parts and tubes. And just like any TV repairman, you got to bring your stuff. And uh, <laughs> so I asked him, what do you got? He said, well, we got a bunch of Fender stuff, which is self-explanatory and some other things. And he says, and we got this, uh, Dumble steel string singer. Mm. I said, okay, no problem. I thought I have no idea what that is. So I had Howard Dumble, well, H Alexander, his name used to be Howard Dumble. And I had his phone number from some other time I, I actually talked. For Bob's, no, it wasn't Bob Seeger. Somebody else had an amp that I called him and talked to him. He was a perfectly normal, nice guy on the phone. And uh, so I called the number, and he answers the phone. I said, Mr. Dumble, my name is Bruce Egnator. I'm going to work on Stevie Ray Vaughan's Steel String Singer. Can you tell me something about it? And he says, sure. And he starts rambling all this technical stuff, all amp jargon, you know, and circuits and all that. And it's like, oh, okay, great. Thanks a lot. And I got off the phone. It's like, okay, well, he just described an Ampeg SVT, like to a T. It was, you know, he described the circuit of an Ampeg SVT using alternate words. And uh, so I took all the stuff to repair an SVT, not knowing what I was walking into. Gets better, though. So I walk in to the theater and I did actually never met Stevie Ray Vaughan. Um, but I walk in and there is a, the stuff's all set up on stage. The guitar tech takes me up there. And there's a pile, literally a pile of Fender amps, just a, a wall. I think there were s- seven or eight random combo amps, a super, uh, you know, just a bunch of stuff all in this big pile of stuff. And kind of teetering on the corner was this Fender Vibra tone. Yeah. It's like a Fender Leslie, but it's a little box. Looks like a kind of like a combo amp. So that's sort of teetering on the corner there. And here's this steel string singer thing sitting off to the side on a table. And I said, uh, you know, he, I said, all right, well, tell me what's going on. He goes, well, okay, this, this Dumble thing. He says, it just doesn't sound right, which makes it kind of hard to fix when you don't know what it was supposed to sound like in the first place, because I (laughs) never heard of it. So I was like, all right, well, no problem. I said, I talked to Howard, I called to Howard Dumble, I talked to him and he told me, you know, all about it. So I know what to do. He goes, what do you mean you talked to Howard Dumble? How did you do that? 
I said, no, I dialed the phone and I dialed and, and he answered the phone and he flips out. I won't use the words he used, but he starts <laughs> screaming and yelling. He's like that. MF. He says, we, he's, we paid him two years ago for a, uh, for a couple of amps. And he says he didn't deliver them and he won't even answer the phone. <laughs> when Stevie Ray Vaughan calls, he goes, and you call him, and he answers the phone, God damn it, you know, and he, like, takes off. He goes, I'm going to take care of this right now. And he left. He left me standing there. It's like, okay, well, I guess I'll fix the stuff. <laughs> and so I go to work on this steel string singer, and not to say anything bad about Howard Dumble, because he makes, like, amazing crazy stuff. stuff. Yeah. But I go to work on this amp, and it has six 6550 power tubes in the bottom. And there's like an amp chassis, amp metal box down in the bottom. And then there's a preamp on top, kind of like an SVT. I don't know if you've ever mm-hmm. looked in the back of an SVT, but it's two pieces. Mm-hmm. There's a power amp chassis that sits in the bottom. And then the preamp with the tubes is on the top. And I look and it's like, oh, that's an SVT. Not like an SVT. It's an SVT power amp out of an SVT head. That's Ampeg transformers, everything. And it's it's in this box. And then he had his own preamp section, you know, his special Dumble preamp thing that he does. But it was an SVT power amp. And it's like, this is like really weird. So, you know, and then I found out more about Dumble later on. And it's like, oh, that there's always, there's all sorts of stories. But it sounds like, I mean, I've been to some of the Dumble uh, Facebook pages where all the the real guys that really know all about Dumble amps and they study them and they they document the history. And apparently, nobody knows anything about this one because hmm. this <laughs> it was just a thing. It was like he made one. I don't know whose it was. They didn't make. I I don't know if he made it for him for Stevie Ray Vaughan or what. So anyway. I fixed that thing because it was easy to fix because it was an Ampeg SVT. What so was I wrong re- with it? Do you remember uh, what was wrong with it? Tubes, resistors. There, there's oh, kind of okay. – in the old days, you could almost know what's wrong with an SVT before you even looked at it. There were like <laughs> standard failures, and if it didn't – if it wasn't that, that was surprising. So you do power tubes, and there are these little 22-ohm resistors in the tubes, and – so it was kind of standard repair on an SVT. So I fixed it, and it works fine. And it was, uh, you know, it sounded like a 300-watt twin. It was pretty cool. And then, uh, so the guy comes back now, and he's okay. I can't remember his name. He was a real nice guy, but I can't remember his name. Right. Um, he comes back. I said, are we okay now? He goes, yeah. He goes, everything's handled. We took care of it. I don't know what that meant, but... Yeah. They took care of the problem with the amps. So I said, all right. I said, well, the, this, the Dumble's fixed. Um, what do you want to do now? He says, well, this one right here. And he's got the guitar. He's got Stevie Ray Vaughan's guitar on. Uh-huh. And he said, this amp right here. And he points at this one that's in the middle of the pile. Uh, and it was a Fender Concert, which is sort of like um, a super reverb with one 15-inch speaker. It was kind of an obscure model, but it was cool. And he says, I said, all right, and he's going to show me. He goes, he just bought this on the road and threw it into the pile and took something else out. That's what he used to do. 
And in front of this pile of amps is a little metal box like you'd buy at Radio Shack with a bunch of quarter-inch jacks in it. And those little plastic cords that used to come with the Wawa's. Yeah. Just like guitar cords that were made out of They were like <laughs> plastic almost with the molded ends. So this box is hanging in front of this pile of amps, this wall of amps, all plugged into this little box all at the same time. And on the floor is a, uh, the, little, the yellow overdrive pedal, whichever one that was, and a Wawa. And that's the whole setup. There's no buffers. There's nothing fancy. It's like mm-hmm. eight amps all hooked up together, all at the same time. And <laughs> he takes me to the super, he says, or this uh, uh, concert. concert amp, and he says, uh, all right, let me show you what's wrong. And he takes his hand, and he goes across and turns all the knobs full up. <coughs> and then he plugs in the guitar, and I look, and every amp has all the knobs full up. <laughs> so he plugs into the guitar, and he puts on the neck pickup, and he's got his left hand not touching the neck, and he whacks the strings, and he goes, how do you think that sounds? I said, mm not really great you can just imagine what it sounded like mm. and uh he massively goes, loud first of all yeah and it just kind of went you know right, it was horrible right. not because it was broken but just it was oh, horrible yeah it also had a big 15 speaker or whatever yeah mm-hmm. and he says uh what do you think what do you think i said well it's got a lot of bass he goes there's something you can do about it so I reached over and I turned the bass knob down and he waxed the guitar and he goes, that's it. <laughs> I said, okay, I guess we're done then. He goes, well, there's a problem. This was like hilarious. He goes, there's a problem. He says, Stevie wants it to sound like this, but he wants to see the knobs full up. I said, okay. And, you know, can I, I'll just get a screwdriver and we'll just move the knob. And he said, nope. He says, he'll find out and he'll really be pissed that we tricked him. He said, I need you to go inside and actually do something to it. So when the bass is on full, it's like it's only on three. So I actually <laughs> went into the amp and stuck a resistor in there, whatever I did. Yeah. So that Change the cap or whatever. What but the, the whole story was like, this was the magic of Stevie Ray Vaughan. You know, you hear about all these 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 amps and all this amazing gear and all this stuff. And it was a big pile of crap that he buys on the road and he throws one in and takes one out. And it's got a bunch of radio shack cords and a box with a bunch of jacks and he plugs in and well, he sounds like Stevie Ray Vaughan. Right. Because he plays like that. I mean, I banged on it. It's like, well, gee, I don't sound like Stevie Ray Vaughan, but if, you know, for him to be able to do that and, control all that mm-hmm. and it was just absurdly loud the whole band was absurdly loud at the time certainly, um, but, certainly good yeah <laughs> but then you know because well, it's funny because people ask me you know now these dumble guys are like well tell me did you get pictures of the amp it's like no it's just an amp and it was broken i fixed it so i don't you know had i known this was going to be a uh, you know, like some historical thing i would have taken some pictures but i didn't and we hadn't invented 
Yeah, no one had camera phones back then also, so... Yeah, yeah it wasn't so easy. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. didn't have cell phones, so I didn't, like, you know, snap a few pictures of anything. Right. So, yeah, yeah, that's my Stevie Ray Vaughan story, so... Well, that's super cool. Yeah. Gotta love that. Yeah. And, and a Dumble story, too, so... Yeah. <laughs> Did you end up talking to Dumble any, any other times after that? No. No, those were the only two times. I met him once. Some, I must have been at a NAMM show, I'm sure. Mm. Um Nice guy. You know, everybody says he's all weird and stuff. I don't know. The few times I talked to him, he was, he was fine. He was a nice guy. Do you ever meet him, Dave? Stevie? No, who? Wait, who? Uh, Dumble. Yes. No. Yeah. No. Many times. Oh. Okay. M- many, many, many times. Um, oh. Yeah. He. I love him. He's great. Yeah. He was. He was a very cool guy. Uh, we've got a question here from um, Moran. Nathan says, Bruce, any changes to the class amp for future classes? Redesign? Question mark. Uh, hmm. No, no plans for now until we, you know, exhaust the people that don't want to make this one anymore. Um, so, no, I don't have any plan for any major redesigns on them. We actually have been thinking about doing a simpler one. Um but nothing's happened yet, and when I say thinking about, that means, you know, a lifetime ahead. Mm-hmm. I might get to it. Gotcha. Um, we have a question here from Chad Spittle. Uh, will Synergy be at Sweetwater? Uh, I guess he means uh, for sale at Sweetwater? Um, that uh, is not in stone yet, but possibly, yes. Okay, synergyamps.com, right? Check yep. that out. Mm-hmm. Um, so someone asked uh, Matt Haramis, how does the power amp system system work with the Synergy system? Like the just how, idea how this whole – well, uh, you know, a guitar amp is just made out of two, basically three parts. You have a power amp, you have a power supply, which really doesn't – isn't a major part of the sound. It is, but it isn't. And then you have a preamp. So all we really did, all we invented was a way to change the preamp. So we sort of like have a patent on an edge connector. In other words, the power amp is the same for all the amps. Yeah, I mean, the thought would be, you know, well, how can you have a Vox module with a Vox amp and you got 6L6 power tubes or EL34s or whatever is in the synergy head or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, you know, we don't claim to exactly duplicate every nuance of every product. It's really darn close. We fooled the guys in Nashville years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, that is one thing The power amp is constant for all the preamps. Now in this type of system being, all the gain, all the tone, everything is generated in the preamp, really. Um, the power amp is not, I won't say not an, as important a part, but it's not uh, as large a percentage of the sound as the preamps are. Mm-hmm. And the preamps are kind of tweaked to work with that power amp. You know, like the, when Dave does his modules and, you know, if he does, does a, a a module for a particular amp, but the power amp is different in the synergy stuff 
subtly different. Yeah, but the, uh, the same, the same, and the same token, like the Synergy Power Amp. I mean, I've A B to power sections of my amps, uh, which are totally different tubes, and uh, you can dial them in to sound the same. Yeah. You totally can. It's not. They're really. very conventional. Like you know, this is all high tech stuff. Not really. Um, it's in the fifty watt head. It's a Marshall power amp. Mm-hmm. Basically, I mean, yeah. it's you know, there's nothing terribly different or advanced about the power amp design. So we've kept it pure and kept it as traditional as we could because we're trying to mimic traditional amps with different preamps. So. Right. If that right. answered the question, I hope. You know. No, I think that makes sense, and uh, hopefully they, they understand. Um, we have a question from Todd Smith. Bruce, uh, where did you get the idea for the Tweaker series of amps? Well, see, there's a story to everything. <laughs> <laughs> I had this idea before we made that amp, um, that you would make a little amp just like that, but the grill claw, you know, the piece of front grill on it would be removable. And behind that grill would be little slots that you would plug these little things that I called tweak cards. And you'd plug them in and you'd have an assortment of these little tweak card things. And you would plug them in and out in different combinations so you could change the sound of the amp. And this was a really cool idea from an engineering standpoint. And uh, one of the guys, in fact, it was John Ewing that used to work with us. He now works for PRS. But um, he's, you know, he started talking. He said, well, how are we going to market this? How do, you, how do you display this in a store? You got 20 of these little, they look like little uh, uh, camera memory cards, you know, like those little itty-bitty things. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, aren't, you, aren't there just like resistors and capacitors and stuff on those little cards? I said, Yeah. He goes, because, you know, this is in Guitar Center. What are you going to do, have a bag of those things hanging there and people will plug them in to try them? He says, that's not going to work from a sales standpoint. And uh, he said, but if it's just parts, just resistors and capacitors, he goes, couldn't you just put those on little switches? And I was like, okay, that makes a lot more sense. So we got (laughs) rid of the cards and just put those things on little switches. So now you got all these little switches that are just switching parts um, for different sounds. Uh, you know, when you switch the the uh, voicing switch in the tone controls, you're actually switching from Fender to Marshall to Vox tone controls, and you can pick the one you want. And there's a bunch of other switches. So the con- the original concept is not what the final product was, which is very often the case. Um, but it came out kind of cool, and I'm glad we didn't do that tweak card thing, because that would have been a disaster. Yeah, that's, that, that sounds like that would have been, yeah. Well, that's an engineering well, design instead of a, a player design, you know. Well, yeah, right, well, they'd be all gone at Guitar Center. They'd just be all missing. Oh, yeah, right. same day. Wouldn't be in there. They have a hard enough time with foot switches. Yeah, no, that stuff wouldn't, <laughs> you just, it, it just couldn't work, so. But, so that's the, that was the uh, concept for the tweaker. Well, that's cool. And they're still selling those. I mean, yeah. you see them all over the place. Yeah. Um, Dave, need a naked Synergy model. Thanks, Mark, for getting that request out there. Well, no uh, uh, it's a little hard. Um, 
the, the power section of that amp is a kind of a, kind of a must-have in order to make the sound like that amp. Um, so I think in a module, it would sort of be very hard to do. So, so the answer so, is no. So sorry. <laughs> uh, um, now, there you... are already a variety of Friedman modules to choose from. You know, if you can't find what you're looking for in one of the others, then you're never going to find it. <laughs> what, what's the difference with the Naked, anyway? I'm, I'm, I'm not familiar with it. <clears throat> the Naked came about is I, I developed an amp with Billy Howardell from A Perfect Circle. And he really liked a, a, a nailer amplifier, um, but he wanted uh, uh, you know like a hundred watt, and and so I, I modified his Marshall to kind of have the that same sort of front end, and with some of the Marshall DNA still left in it, uh, and some of the power amp tweaks that were in the nailer also, and that sort of became. Uh, then I made him a couple custom amps uh, based off that Marshall that he loved that I did for him. And those amps have appeared on all the records that he's ever done. Um, um, I made a couple customs for him, and then I made a, a small little run of them by hand way back in the, I don't know, 2000-ish, I think. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, all by hand. Um, not too many are around. Um and uh, and then later I was making it for a little while uh, under the Friedman brand name. Uh, we we had it out for a little bit, mm -hmm. um, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a huge seller for us. So it's a very specific sound, mm -hmm. and it wasn't a huge seller. So uh, we just kind of discontinued it over time. Okay. I'll still I, I'd still do one custom for someone if they want it or stuff. That's not okay. Not a big deal. Cool. Um, Matthew Harrison has a uh, question for you, Bruce. He wants to know when are the classes? Um, well, the next one happens to be November 18th and 19th. We don't have like a schedule for the year or anything. We kind of do it when we see we'll have time and we can give enough notice. Um, typically, we try to announce them a couple months ahead of time, but so... Right now, the only one that's actually scheduled is November 18th, like next month. And okay. then I don't know if we'll do any more this year. We're in Michigan, so we got to be careful with the weather. We don't do them during the winter because that would suck if it snowed and we were having a class and nobody could get here. Right. Um, so we do them in the, the spring and the fall, and then nobody wants to come in the summer because it's summer and nobody wants to come in the summer. So... Um, this may be the last one for this year, and then we'll start up again in, you know, March, April, whenever the weather clears up again. Cool. Um, that sounds good. Uh, Cheddar Kung Pao says, wow, I'm in Michigan. I'm definitely going to do this. Going to have to wait a bit, though, since I just bought a very pricey PRS. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, that's cool, though. Maybe next class. Uh, check it yeah. out. We'll um, keep doing them. Uh, and, guys, I'll go ahead and post... Uh, a link in the uh, description of the video later um, of where you can find info on the class and everything like that. So I'll, I'll post that information later for everybody. Um, and let's see. Um, 
How are we doing on time, guys? We got a, it's, uh, we're going on an hour and 45 minutes. You guys okay? Oh, I'm fine. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's see. Someone wants to know, have you ever watched the guitarist, Guitarologist channel? The guy builds amps from nothing. You give him anything with speakers, and he builds, he builds it. Uh, never heard of it. No? Mm-hmm. Never heard of it. I haven't seen one, but I'll uh, definitely look at that one. Yeah, and someone else says, Guitarologist is probably my favorite YouTube channel. Huh. I'll oh. check it out. Okay. Check it out. Um, what does Bruce think that um, why does Bruce think that building two amps will go away I think it's on the rise thirsty flip side says good question well I think tubes will become an issue we'll probably go to war with every country that makes the tubes at some point um, <laughs> they all yeah, well I mean that's really it's more like the supply of tubes could become an issue more than anything Mm-hmm. Um, they all come from Russia and China and some other countries that I can't pronounce. Um, so it's more, it's more the tube supply that I would be referring to, but you know, we've been saying that for 50 years and That's you know, true. <laughs> they, they still make them. There's, yeah. it's such, you know, you think, well, there's a million guitar amps, but, uh, you know, in relation to other mass produced products, like, you know, tennis shoes and skis, you know, things that are just general commodities that people buy. Tubes are a really specialized thing. Um, and they're not made in huge quantities. I mean, when they make 100,000 tubes, that sounds like a lot, but they probably make 100,000 Nike tennis shoes a week, you know. So yeah. it's really a very small market as far as, as a manufacturer goes, but I don't know, they keep doing it. So we're good with that. You know, there's demand, but it's nothing like. Other- well, back, yeah. Back in the the days when tubes were at their peak of being used, I think it was a lot of military, right? I mean, it was. Yeah. And, and also in every TV and radio and. Oh yeah. Yeah. Decades ago that they hadn't invented transistors. So it was, it was tubes. And everything in the world worked on tubes, and a lot of stuff still does. Besides guitar amps or home stereo, or and the, and, and the tubes actually worked then. Yeah, <laughs> the, uh, I don't know what the whole story with that. If if the guys that knew are now gone, the the real tube engineers that knew, but it, it's really a struggle to get good tubes, but apparently it's also a struggle for the manufacturers to make good tubes. And I, I, I don't know what that is. I mean, we've dealt, you know, Dave and I, everybody's dealt with this for years and, uh, you know, we would buy whatever Ruby tubes from, from Tom McNeil. And, uh, they were all like, we had microphonic issues. I said, well, Tom, the, the Sovtech 12 AX7 WA is not microphonic. Can't they just copy that? And he explained to me, he said, well, you know, in China, which is where the tubes are made, he said, it's an ongoing battle and it's uphill. He says, we find an issue and we fix that one issue, but they cause another one. He said, it's as if you can't just fix all the problems at one time in one design. So I think that's just how it is. Uh, 
which is good for them because we have to buy a lot more because we throw away half of them. Hmm. But uh, <laughs> but don't they aren't they eating some of that cost or no? Eh, sometimes, sometimes somebody is somewhere. Um, probably the 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 seller as opposed to the manufacturer. I don't know if I don't know. I don't know how that whole, you know, supply chain thing works. Well, I'm sure that they have a, a certain failure rate that they expect, but yeah. 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 About, you know, literally out of lately out of, you know, 20 tubes, you're going to have six failures or something. That's not like, that's not great. Yeah, you, you can have 30 to 40 percent <laughs> failures on some. And it's sort of, it appears to be batch-related, meaning yeah. this week they're good and next week they're horrible. This is the exact same tube from the exact same company. Mm-hmm. So you just have to test the heck out of them in the amps and you beat them up. And, you know, if they survive your testing, then there's a, those are the good ones. Hit them with a hammer real hard. Mm-hmm. And, uh if they survive, they might work. That's a really good one. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's cool. I'm trying That's to. That's what uh, I'm having to do lately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? That the I, I don't know. I'll knock on wood as they say it, but so far the amp that you sent me sounds great, man. Um, tubes sound great. So, yeah. No problems. We know years ago, Marsh, I don't know if you recall, I don't know how long ago it was, but Marshall Amps had 6L6s in them for a couple of years. Yeah, 5881 power tube. Yeah, our 5881s, and that's because EL34s got so bad in quality that Marshall couldn't use them. They couldn't use them for manufacturing. Yeah, that was the end of, uh, that was in the early 90s, I remember specifically, and um, all the... uh, the German, uh, you know, semen branded tubes had dried up. Okay. Um, and, you know, they were no more. You really couldn't get them anymore. And um, the only EL34 available that was new was the Sovtech uh, EL34, whatever. It was the newest one. And that one, or there was a Chinese, a thin bottle Chinese EL34. Mm-hmm. Um, and neither one was usable. Yeah. Was, uh, they were just garbage at the time. Um, it's not that they sounded bad. They would fail. They, you, they, they couldn't would get fail. out the it door. Yeah. And the Sovtech one was just in its infancy at that point in time. They've, they Finally, that, that tube now basically appears as the EH uh, yeah. EL34, which actually is, is, is a decent tube. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm not sure, sure it's my favorite sounding, but it's... it's uh, it seems to be reliable, which we'll see if I wind up using it, <laughs> just, be, just because it's reliable. Speaking of that, um, Dave, while I got you on here, if I wanted to get another set of tubes, so I would, you know, just in case something goes with these, do you, could I get, a, could I buy a set of matched tubes that would go, already go with that? Yep. Of course. All right, I'll, I'll, I'm going to. I want to prepare so I don't have to take it to another tech. So we'll, we'll, <laughs> well you talk. Know how biased though, it's not a. Oh, I, I screwed up the last amp I tried to bias. Yeah, but <laughs> you know how to. You, you figured it out. You know how to do it. I could do it. I could. It's do even it. easier in that amp. I can tell you how. Oh, okay. All right. Then we'll figure, we'll worry about it later. Um, let's see. We got uh, 
A question for Bruce. Who makes the oversized 1x12 for the Mod 50 amps? Uh, Mojo. Mojotone.com. Um, in fact, somebody recently, might be the same fella, uh, contacted me about that, and he went directly to Mojo, and they're going to do one for him. So if this person that you're looking at right now is looking for one of those, he can actually just go to Mojo or Mojotone.com. And tell him he want the old Agnator oversized 112 cabinet, and they know which one it is, and they can make you one. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, Stan Adams, thanks for watching. Um, and, yeah, uh, I think Johnny Bean gave us a shout-out on his show. So that's cool. Uh, thanks, Johnny and Dave, for uh, for saying that and bringing people over to watch on our show. I, I appreciate yeah. that. Um Let's see. Uh, someone uh, push twenty two fret says, "Hey Bruce, Mark, and Dave. Bruce still running my M four into my sixty nine Marshall Super Bass loop. So versatile. Thank you." Yeah. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then a G- the M four. Just in case somebody other the M four is the four channel modular rack mount preamp version of that. Oh, okay. Uh, G-Man Music Production says, Thanks, Bruce, for all your amps. I have the Mod 50 with many modules, Tweaker 15 and Rebel 20. Wow. Great. Well, thank you. <laughs> Super cool. Um, Stan Adams says, I would dig a Friedman down the road, but still use my Block EVH for now and still love. Uh, Stan, you got to get a Friedman. That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, there's a complete difference between what I'm hearing and a block EVH. We have to assume you haven't played the Friedman. So yes, until you do, then you're, you'll see. Yes. Um, (laughs) Matthew Harrison says, just saw Pete's dirty Shirley demo. It was killer as always. Yeah. I saw that too. Pete always does a great bit. Of course. Uh, Someone said that there was a Pete sighting. Did I miss him? He walked right through. Yes. Oh, okay. I was too busy looking at the chat. (laughs) No, he doesn't uh, live here. <laughs> but he's always there, though. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Bruce, I really like the YouTube video of the Sweetwater SW45. Sounds fantastic. Any thoughts on releasing that again? Eh, probably not. Uh, actually, Dave and I kind of worked on that together. It's probably quite similar to an existing... Friedman model anyway. Could um, be. Yeah, I'm not sure which one, but uh, no, probably not. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> no problem. I think I know the answer to this next question for Dave. Any chance of a Friedman 5-watt bedroom play or anything? You already have combos. Uh, um, not 5 mm, watts, but... Probably not 5. Uh, you know what? I was messing around with some 5-watt stuff. It's just that the, it never the power sections just are never great in the little five watt guys and it, it kind of like uh, I mean it, you'd be better off buying one of the pedals and uh, and running it into you know your favorite little super clean little tiny fender or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just those this little five watt power sections don't have much to them, especially if they're uh, single ended or something. Just kind of 
Uh, I mean, you can, but I, yeah, well, I don't know. We'll see. And it's also, what do you want to pay for it, too? That's the other problem. I mean, it's like a five watt amp. What do you expect to pay for it? And 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 if you expect it to be really cheap, um, it would have to be made overseas or something. And um, and and quite honestly, which, which I'm not ruling out. You know, I wouldn't rule out, but but. I mean, you, the master volumes work so well on the amps. I mean, you can play it really quietly. You can, you know, get yourself a little pink taco combo that's a 110 combo that's really that's tiny. That's exactly and, what I was going to say. And just play it at whisper volumes, and it'll sound great. Mm-hmm. You know, the yep. difference between those different power levels, you know, a, a, a five-watt amp is a is a champ. Yeah. That's a Fender, you know, five-watt mm-hmm. amp. And, yeah, the power amps are not really, um, I would say that, type of power amp isn't really a, a Dave Friedman f- sound. It's going to be lacking a lot of stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, the 15 or 20 watt amp is not, you can turn it down. There's a knob on there called volume. So, <laughs> you know, you can still play it quiet uh, without having minimal power. And 5 watts is still loud as heck. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Plug into a champ in your bedroom, and it's loud as heck. In fact, plug a champ into a four twelve, and it sounds great. So, I don't, I don't, I personally don't see the advantage of a five watt versus a, a ten or fifteen watt one. It's not going to be a lot cheaper to make either. The components aren't that much cheaper. So, I agree with yeah. Dave on that. That it's, it's. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I've got. I don't have a. First of all, I had a champ. Also, I used to have a old fifties champ, and that thing was loud as hell. I mean, yeah, unless it has a master volume on it, and then it's going to just sound like crap anyway. So, right, right. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, I'm going to run through the questions here. Let's see if we have anything else. Uh, someone said, "I found a free PDF version of the Jack Dar book online. If anybody wants, let, let me know." Cool. Well, they, can, they could probably look it up. Um, yeah. Let's see. Um, scrolling, uh, t- I'm scrolling. Guys, Go ahead. anyone who asked in here, T-shirts T-shirts are coming uh, for uh, Friedman. We've been trying to work on some new designs, and unfortunately, uh, it's been going kind of slow. <laughs> so uh, I'll, I'll make that happen very shortly. <laughs> cool. I'd like to get a shirt. I want a shirt, too. So, And, uh, and Tone Talk shirts... We're going to be making more. I haven't just have. I've been really busy with work. I have not had a chance to do it, but I will. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, someone said, "Is there a Dumble module in the Synergy future?" Uh, I doubt that. Well, actually, I'm working on it right now. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, man. Yeah. What do I know? Okay, really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, not, not an official brand. No, oh no, okay, no, 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 no. Howard Dumble is not involved. We're just gonna, we're just gonna kind of, you know, do approximate you, it. Do the version, your version of it. Yeah, but it'll be different than anything else we have because his basic concept is is different than any any of the other modules. It's not a Marshall, you know, any of that. So, um, but it, and it'll sound great. Will it sound like a hundred thousand dollar Dumble amp? Probably not. You know. But is there really great. anything that sounds like a hundred thousand dollar amp? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't exactly. know if any amp sounds like a hundred thousand dollar amp. Yeah. 
So, yeah. but no, we are actually working on it. It'll be a, a little while. I, I honestly, I just started it. Uh, I'm just drawing schematics now. So, you know, it takes a couple months to make that stuff happen. But. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, well, it's, a, it's, it's an interesting, different sound. I've got a, um, a Dumble clone here uh, built out of a Fender kind of clone, clony amp. Yeah. And, uh, and it's different. It's, it sounds, you know, it's not going to be that classic Marshall tone that you're, you know, that some people like. It's definitely its, its own flavor. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's definitely very mid-range bass kind of thing. Yeah. Yep, very much so. Um, let's see. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to throw this out there. Um, someone said, ask about Ed Roman. I know the name. I've never. I. I, I never had any idea. Okay, I have yeah. no idea. All right, good. Uh, neither did I. I. I've. I know the name. I heard all the uh, the hoopla. Yeah. So, but, um, and I know some people have had their issues with him uh, over the years. I don't think he's still alive, though. No. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe Bruce and Dave have some interesting Ken Fisher stories, or just thoughts about train wreck, train wreck amps. I thought I think they're great from what I've heard. Trainwreck amps are fantastic. I don't have any Ken Fisher stories though because I've never met the man. I never met him either. His yeah, I I've heard a few of the amps and they sounded great. And just like another million great sounding amps, uh, you know, he had his little thing mm-hmm. or his little uh, recipe. And, uh, yeah, beyond that, no, I've never met him, so I don't know. I read all the same stories as everybody else. I know cool. he used vacuum cleaner cords. Those are, you know. <laughs> um, oh, and someone said that Cesar Diaz was Stevie Ray Vaughan's tech back in the 80s. Was that who you were talking to? No, no, no. This was the, the road, like the guitar tech guy. Ah, uh, gotcha. Cesar Diaz was the one that worked on his amps which is where I'm not sure how that fit into the, maybe he had special amps he used in the studio and those were the tweaked ones. But when it came to the live thing, I don't think it mattered which, which amps were in that pile. Cause he would swap them out right. indiscriminately anyway. Right. So, you know, whether it had a hundred K grid resistor or a 47, I, I don't think it really made a whole lot of difference in the live setup. Right, right, right. Okay. Um, Chlorine Baconskin says, you guys know anything about Two Rock? Uh, I've been digging their TS1, but it's pricey. I, I know that they they make good stuff. I've, I've seen it and heard it. Looks good. That's what I know. Yeah. I think they were, they started or can still are a sort of Dumble clone yeah. type yeah. of thing. I know they have some of their own models, but I think they're uh, they're the ones that took that copying the Dumble thing a little further than most of them. I, beyond that, I don't know. Yeah, they sound great. Okay. Um, Stan Adams said a uh, question about using a Variac with less than around 90 volts. Can I hurt anything? No. I, yeah, I've done it. I mean, don't turn it too low because your amp will eventually shut off. Yeah. Don't turn it up. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't go beyond 120. Now, you know, using a Variac, since you did mention that, doesn't magically work on every amp. 
Um, you know, it works on the, the classic Marshall kind of things, but any amp that has any kind of channel switching or, you know, DC supplies, there's stuff inside the amps that, uh, if it's not just a, a pure tube amp like a, a stock Marshall amp, um, a lot of those circuits don't work when you turn them down too low. Voltage regulators stop working and your channel switching won't work or your reverb mm-hmm. won't work or, you know, any number of things like that. So you can't just, you know, plug any old amp you'll, into a Variac. You'll know. <laughs> yeah, it'll, you'll turn it down and it'll stop working. And it'll you go, stop working and turn it up a little. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> turn it up till it starts working again. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Stop there. If you turn it down and it starts humming, then turn it back up a little. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Tom Platt says, Dave, what's the amp behind you with the white nameplate and panel? The one that's out of the box or the one that's under it? I think the one that's under it, the black. The one that's under it is a small box that I made for myself that has a white panel with black chicken head knobs and... Uh, a white logo. And then uh, the one on top is the first prototype of the BE50 Deluxe. Nice. But so what's that, the, what's that, the... that, isn't, that isn't white now, um, although it could be ordered that way. Um, uh, it comes in like a standard gold style. You can one almost order anything any way you want it. It, it, we can do it. It's just a question of what that might cost or, you know, uh, custom options. Are, are, we can do it very easily because all the wood shop and and all our panels and everything are made in-house. So we have complete control over it and can change something at a whim. So it's 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 really makes it quite convenient to do that stuff. Mm-hmm. Perfect. See, like awesome. Mark's white, like Mark's white half stack back there behind him that he just got. There you go. I'm doing my best fan of white. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and it's actually not a uh, straight white. Also, it's kind of a uh, like a cream off white yeah, color, like a ivory, yeah, sort of slight ivory, sort of. Yeah, it's very classy looking. It, it's not like this uh, really like bright white. So mm-hmm. I love this freaking thing. Got to tell you. Um, so um, let's see. Oh, by, by the way, Dave, when is the uh, BE50 Deluxe coming out? Uh, I've been te- testing a bunch of them. So I imagine uh, Sweetwater will have them in their shop uh, very shortly. I know they already ordered more, so I'm not sure what that means. Maybe that means that they're already sold some of them. But they they haven't got them yet, though. So okay, they're uh, sometime next week they'll probably leave our shop. That's awesome! Can't so, wait to see it. A couple weeks, I think, or something. Uh, and I could then call, is... call Sweetwater and ask for it and ask them. And then yeah, exactly. Ask Sweetwater. Ask Sweetwater; them. they'll have a better idea than me. And and Dave, is there a plan? I think uh, I think you mentioned it on the last show about updating the BE one hundred with the newer yeah, features. Yeah, probably. That... A, I mean, if everyone wants it, there'll probably be a BE one hundred deluxe. So, 
super cool. And what you, makes these deluxe? I, I didn't even. What is that? Uh, well, we did a fifty. Well, it all started with Sweetwater wanted a custom amp, and then it wound up becoming an actual amp that we're going to be um, uh, uh, selling worldwide. Um, uh, essentially, so the 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 channels. Uh, there's just more features. It has. Uh, for the dirty channels, uh, each channel has its own gain and master. Um, it uh, how it worked before was just a kind of a boost on uh, the dirty channel. Oh, okay. And uh, now it's got its own gain and master. The, that that channel is a little updated. It's slightly a different circuit. Um, the clean channel is slightly a different circuit. Uh, the clean channel is like the clean channel out of our Bucks and Betty amp. Um, then it's got a variable negative feedback knob, a, a thump knob, which is a resonance. Uh, some of the other features, fat switch, a saturation oh. switch. Uh, okay, loop. I just didn't know what it was. So. Yeah, yeah, loop, half power C- switch. C45. No C45. Oh, you got rid of that. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Good stuff. Well, I can tell you just from having some of the features on this amp, it's amazing. Um, so we have Benjamin Murphy had a question. We're we're close to wrapping up with the questions, guys, just so you know. Um, curious, what is it about a bad capacitor that can cause that weird ghost note ring modular sound? Not sure. Uh, well, it's bad. It's bad. Um, what you're hearing is what they call ripple in the power supply, um, which is sort of an odd, what would you call it today, an intermodulation sort of distortion. When a capacitor fails like that, it's mixing in uh, 60 cycles, 120 cycles, whatever, along with your guitar. So every note you play is as if you've got a couple other unrelated notes going along. Yeah, you got a really cool octave pedal. Yeah, it's cool, but, you know, you can't turn it off. Um, but that is one of the characteristics of a, a a bad filter capacitor. And it typically would hum, but, well, maybe not. Yeah, I've seen it not. Yeah, I saw, I think it's the Rebel 20 or whatever. I've seen a couple main filter cap failures, and it doesn't hum. Yeah. But you play it or look at it on a scope, and it's like, holy smokes, what is that? Sounds really cool, but it's it's not a guitar amp anymore. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. What was the Eggnator amp? Uh, Matthew Harrison is asking. What was the Eggnator amp with the ISP disseminator built in? That was the highest gain amp you ever released. Uh, that would be the Armageddon, and actually, it's a decimator. Is it? is the ISP. It's like the, I I don't know if you guys know what the ISP decimator is. It's a pedal. um, It's sort of like the, the next generation of hush. Uh, ISP was one of the brothers that used to own Rocktron and they split apart and the uh, engineer uh, Buck uh, started his company and called it ISP. And this is his next improved generation of the hush pedal. And it's actually built into the amp. If you open the amp up, there's a, a circuit board in there that we would actually buy from ISP and install in the amp. So it's a noise reduction thing. Gotcha. Okay. Um, 
Someone asked, uh, oh, G-Man Music Productions, is the Dumble module going to be similar to the Eggnator COD module? Not, well, tone-wise, it's actually going to be a Dumble module. Um, at least, you know, every Dumble is different, like Dave was saying, but we sort of have to choose the generic one that sort of falls in the middle. Uh, it'll be somewhat, it'll be a mid-rangey, smooth, singing, Dumble-like tone. Uh, whether it'll sound like the COD, uh, probably not exactly, but it'll be similarly voiced. Is that a good okay. answer? Yep. Yeah. Good okay. <laughs> that works. That works. Um, Francisco has a question. If you use a variac, won't you have issues with cathode stripping due to lower filament temperature? <sighs> you know, not that I've ever seen. <laughs> cathode stripping is a is a phenomenon that happens more in RF tubes, um, in RF applications, RF being radio frequency, than uh, guitar amp stuff. And you almost, if I recall, you've got to have a tube run continuously for like hundreds of thousands of hours before it really becomes an issue. It's just one of those things that uh, it's a technical thing, and it doesn't really, to answer the question, no, that's not really a concern. Your tubes are going to fail long before the cathodes become stripped or anything like that. So, no, go ahead and use the Variac without concern for that. Mm-hmm. If there are other concerns, that's a different story. But no, cathode stripping is not really a, a thing to worry about. Okay. Scott Bartle asked, Bruce, what happened to the Detroit series you had demoed at NAM a few years back? Well, <laughs> you know, we come up with ideas and we make prototypes and then we make that gross error of showing them to people, like at a show. And then we get sidetracked or something becomes takes priority and we never finish it. Uh, the Detroit amps were one of those that they were really cool and we made them, made the prototypes. We did want to make them here. That was part of the thing. I mean, you're going to call it a, you know, a Detroit amp. When I say here, I mean in the U.S. Um, and uh, after reevaluating, there was no way we could make them here and not have them be terribly expensive so it kind of defeated we couldn't make them in china and call them detroit you know that would have been tacky <laughs> so uh yeah I think so we makes, did yeah. one of those things that we put out and we shouldn't have shown it because we weren't ready so mm-hmm. i apologize for showing you something really cool that you can't have i have them here the prototypes but uh, <laughs> i'm the only one but they were pretty cool you know just totally loaded with features little little small cool stuff well, that's cool. Yeah. Sounds good. You know, you'll come out with something else that'll be awesome. Yeah, you know, you get so many things, you know, you have, you have so many ideas all the time, and some of them become real and some don't. The The mistake is to show stuff that isn't going to come out. Mm. Well, yeah. no, we were good intentioned, but... Uh, <laughs> it happens to the best. Yeah. It happens to the best. Um, hey, you know, speaking of something that I wanted to talk about, two things. One is... Uh, it was supposed to arrive today. I bought a, um, I bought the Friedman Bucks and Boost from uh, Keith Bears, 
uh, Guitar Guru Network. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was supposed to arrive today, and it didn't. Oh. Um, so, uh, Dave, I'll let you know what I think of that puppy when I get it. And then I got this thing uh, just the other day. I got this as a gift. Um, thought I'd, if you guys want to check this out, it's called the Roadie Guitar Tuner. You ever hear of this? Anybody? Yep. Super cool. Yeah. It, it comes with – you download the app, which is free, on your phone. And uh, basically, it will tune your guitar for you um, to any any set of tunings, alternate tunings, or standard tuning. Uh, it's all built in on the app, so you don't have to remember alternate tunings and everything like that. And then basically, you just pluck the string. You just have to hit something on the app, which says, you know, calibrate or tune. And um, it was very cool. I tuned up my acoustic to an open G. The other night, just real fast, five minutes it took, whatever, a couple minutes. And uh, I thought it was pretty cool, you know. I don't want wow. it built in on a guitar like a, like the Gibson Les Pauls had them built in on the guitar and stuff. Yeah. But I think this is, a, this is a cool little feature just to have, like, in your bag, you know. It's kind of amazing, actually. Yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, it was 99 bucks. So oh, hopefully okay. I won't lose it because that's my fear. Mm-hmm. This, is what it, this is what it looks like. Um. And it just runs off the uh, app on your phone. And then it also has an adapter, which I don't know what I do with it. Here it is, uh, that lets you plug in your guitar cord, your quarter inch, if you're on stage. And you can make it sound, oh. actually, that hmm. goes right into your device. So that's pretty huh. cool. That is so, pretty cool. Yeah, I thought I'd <coughs> that. I thought, I thought that was pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, that's really cool. And uh, let's see. What else? Any other questions, Dave, did you saw? No, I think... I think we got it covered. Cool. Okay. Pretty much. Yeah. All right. Well, Bruce, thank you to ha- having you on the show. Um, can you tell people how to reach you again and, uh, you know, reach out to you and check out your, your, uh, uh, your amp building classes and everything else like that? Well, we have the uh, amp building class website, which is just my website, but it's called ampbuildingclass.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can email me, bagnator at aol.com. Uh, and those are the best ways to find me. Uh, I do have a Facebook. There's a Bruce Agnator Facebook page. There's a Bruce Agnator Amp Building Facebook page. So I'm easy to find. I'm out there. You're out there. <coughs> um, you have an Instagram page, I think, um, with no pictures. Yeah, I didn't know I had that. Uh, <laughs> I keep getting notices that I have followers, and I, I, <laughs> I've never done anything with Instagram. So, yeah, we'll put some pictures on there. Somewhere. Yeah, I'm just joking. I'm just messing with you. I, I, I tagged but you. But it is get, true. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I, I tagged you on something, and I went to look at the profile. I was like, oh, there's no pictures. Oh, well. Yeah. So yeah. you'll get to it eventually. Um, yeah. But, no, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I've... I've known about your stuff for a really long time. And when Dave has told the story several times about how, um, you know, he worked with you and has learned a lot from you. So uh, I think having you on was, was awesome. And Dave, uh, any final closing thoughts? Uh, Go and take Bruce's class. (laughs) (laughs) There's my closing thought. I think you should do it guys because you'll have fun. It'll be a good time. Awesome. Cool. Very cool. All right, guys. Mark, go take the class. 
I, I, I promise you I will. I will. I, it's going to happen. I, 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 every time I, I'm, I'm hitting the thumbs up, and I really would love to do it because not only just from building an amp and getting one, but I need some help on my soldering skills, some serious help. Well, this will do that. <laughs> and you learn a bunch of stuff too, so it's cool. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And I get to hang out with you. How about how, how yeah, back can you I be? Yeah. So, yeah. super cool. All right, well, guys, have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. We still have like 55 people watching. Thank you very much. Hit the like button on the video, please, and please subscribe to our channel. It's tone-talk.com, www.tone-talk.com. Check it out, and uh, we appreciate you viewing. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk soon. Take care, guys. All right, All right. see you guys. Thanks. Thanks.